that kind of keeps me up at night. Yep, it kind of keeps me up at night, not in a good way. When there's a consistent like, hey, pastor, great job. Hey, pastor, great job. Hey, pastor, great job. That was really great. Mm-hmm. Great job, great job, mm-hmm. great job. And I'm like, are they seeing Jesus? Right. Mm-hmm. Are they seeing Jesus in this or are they seeing me? Welcome to the Uncut Podcast. I'm Pastor Luke. I'm Pastor Cameron. And this is the Uncut Podcast, where we have honest, uncut conversations about faith, life, and ministry. So, Cameron, how are you doing today? Doing okay. Yeah? We had a good weekend. Yeah? We had a, um, we had, I think, a great gathering of the community of conduits yesterday. We did. We did. And, uh... I got a good workout in this morning, and so I did not sleep super well, but I am I am here. Here and ready to go. Ready to go. Me too. How about you? Yeah, I feel like I um, had some fun moments over the weekend, and um, yeah, yesterday was, you know, it was a good sermon yesterday. Thanks. So it was really encouraging, and mm-hmm. um, we're recording on a Monday, which is unusual for us, and we're... So I think we're both like rearing and ready to yeah. go for the week. Our br- our brains are fresh. Yeah, <laughs> we have. <laughs> Usually we record at the end of the week and our brains are mush. Right. Brain is fresh this morning. Yeah. So um, this week we thought we would take some time and answer some. We got a more than the normal amount of questions than we we don't normally get that many questions. So we right. got a handful of questions last week. Um, after our podcast episode, um, we talked about can Christians be possessed. We didn't get too many questions about uh, that. We did get one question. One question, yeah. I think we should address. We that, should yeah. talk about that. Mm-hmm. So if I remember, the question was, um, well, let's see, do I have it here? It was essentially, can you say more about? Because I made a statement mm-hmm. in the podcast about the one of the experiences that I had while pastoring Conduit North. Mm-hmm. That's where, I don't even know, maybe I didn't even mention that. I don't think you have. It was in a worship service or at the end of a worship service at Conduit North after yeah. we had, you know, planted that. And a gentleman had come in and, um, anyway, was talking about my experience in um, dealing with someone, interacting with someone who was very obviously possessed, not just oppressed, but possessed by um, a demon and... I had made a statement that we stopped praying for him. Yep. Because he essentially said, I want you to stop praying for me. Yeah. And maybe it was a little bit of like miss I I, I wasn't I didn't misspeak or it wasn't I wasn't misspoken in it, but sure. essentially what happened is we had been we had myself and another pastor that were there with me and then a layman that was there with me. We were praying over him, mm-hmm. and he was manifesting like the demon was manifesting, like changes in voice and posture, and like uh, kind of like body writhing, mm-hmm. and like you could actually like almost I think I mentioned this like almost smell the bad breath, like it was like it was weird, mm-hmm. weird. But anyway, we were praying for that the demon would come out of him, the mm-hmm. demon would set him free, the demon would let him go, and the demon was saying, 
no, I'm not leaving. No, I'm not leaving. No, I'm not leaving. And what was interesting about, not interesting, but is that it would go, our conversation with the man would go back and forth between talking to him Mm -hmm. and talking to the demon. Yeah. Him, the demon, him, the demon. And the demon, when we were talking to the demon, right, it was, you know, we were um, speaking in and through the authority of Christ. And then yep. when we would talk to the man, we would ask him, do you want to be free? Right. Do you want to be free of this? Mm-hmm. Right. Do you want to be free of this demon? And he said, if you want to be free, you, you, you must, um, you, you must call out to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like you must call on the name of Jesus. Yeah. Um, because that's the only place that freedom is going to come from is through the, power in the name of jesus like we can't force freedom yeah upon a person right right and this went on for like 20 minutes do you want to be free then dealing with the demon do you want to be free and it was he was not able could not or would not articulate his desire Mm -hmm. to be free from demonic oppression Mm -hmm. um and so at that point we said um, probably shouldn't have said his name. Um, uh, we we're we're going to stop. We're going to stop this interaction if you don't desire to be free from this oppression. Yeah. And he said, "Yeah, let's stop." And so it was clear that he did not want to be did not want to be free from that. Now, yeah. sounds a weird thing. Like, who wouldn't? Who would want to be? Who would want to be in that? Right. Um, and I don't, I can't speak from experience as far as like demonic oppression is concerned. But what I can say is it has been my experience that with sin in general, that it, we, it can become so central. Our sin can become such a central part of our lives that we really can't imagine life without it. Yeah. Right, we become conditioned to what is our normal, right? And we can't imagine something being a new normal. We're actually afraid of it, mm-hmm. even actually, if it's a really good thing. Exactly, and um, so we see this in addiction a lot. Yes, massively. In yes, addiction. we see people who want to be free from addiction, right? But who are unwilling, right? To like, I don't know how I would deal with life without right. this, and so I'm going to choose the hell I know, yeah, versus the hell that I'm anticipating. Yep. Happens all the time when people get sober for like uh, the first time in a while. And then they get like, is there like, oh my gosh, this is really good. Yeah. But then you're like, well, then why are, and then why did they backslide? Yeah. And well, or relapse. And part of it's because it was also just really scary. Yes. They didn't, they were like, this is new. This is different. I don't know how life feels. Mm Mm-hmm. Like this. Yeah. So if you ask that question, thanks for it. Uh, thank you for that question. It's a good one. Um, and uh, that was the experience. That's why I kind of, that's what yeah. happened. So, yeah. So it just, there was definitely a element of, at least in that case of that person really not wanting, not wanting to be free. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was significant. Mm hmm. So we got a couple other questions. Mm-hmm. Um, some were kind of 
one was kind of more theological some were kind of more kind of practical behind mm-hmm. the scenes mm-hmm. so where do you think we want to go Cameron? well there's the question of the importance of christian unity yeah which is it could be taken many different ways i yeah. don't know i appreciate that question um i can see your name but i'm not going to say your name so thank you for that question um or that statement i guess yeah. um i don't want to say send us another message and be more specific because i would say that christian unity is important um <laughs> <laughs> uh, christian unity is indeed important important yes yes um but there i i suspect i know i know who asked this question so I, I i suspect that there is you probably um maybe have something a little bit more specific so if you could ask it in a little bit more specific way mm-hmm. if there's a specific part of christian unity or a specific part of Christian disunity that you're seeing and mm-hmm. like us to comment on, then um, maybe that would be, we'd be able to talk about it a little bit better. I don't even know where to start really with Well, that. I think we had had as a podcast episode marked at some point, I may have got rid of it because it just sat on the back burner so long, but we had like a titled topic of Christian unity does not equal conformity mm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think you put that one in there. Mm. I'm going to toss that on you. But, um, you know, I don't know. I feel like there is like a certain amount of, um, I think sometimes, sometimes things get lumped into Christian unity that maybe aren't. What do you mean? Like I've, um, I've witnessed from afar, um, Churches use, uh, well, Christian unity, we need to be unified um, as a way to kind of justify certain, like, unhealthy leadership practices of, like... um, It's like a leader can't be questioned because it it would create disunity. Right. Things like that. Okay. Um, You know, what's... I've seen that, too. So, you know, that's not necessarily... You know, I guess like what what would you say is Christian unity though? Like, what is it? That like, therein lies the question. Like, is it? Are we talking about theological unity? Are we talking about unit unity of practice? Mm-hmm. Are we talking about just like a hey brother, hey sister? Yeah, uh, it's just a unity in the faith based on like we have one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father right. of us all. Um, like an ecumenicalism almost. Right, ecumenicalism. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, you know, what What are we talking about? We yeah. talk about unity. I don't... Yeah. So there's like these different levels right. of, of unity, but unity between you and I, unity between us and the congregation, between... Different congregations. Different, congre- different congregations between... Right. The congregations and the denominations yeah. and so forth. Like, and what so has on. the power to break unity? Yeah. Um, you know, like here's a here's a here's a good example. Like, are you are we, would we say that we that conduit is that we have a spirit or a relationship of unity with Hillcrest Baptist? I would say we do. Yeah. Uh, you right. Know, I would say that we do. Yeah. Um and we're different churches, and we have different mm-hmm. types of leaders, and we have a different culture, yeah. certainly, in our churches. 
but I would say I love Pastor Mark and mm-hmm. Dan and the rest of the pastoral team and staff there and leaders there. Like they're they're great. Um, but and I, we would you know like yeah we're Christians all of us are Christians. Would we say that we have a spirit of unity with the uh, Church of Latter Day Saints up on Forest? Well, why not? Well. Because they're Latter Day Saints. <laughs> well, but they but they're Christian, right? Well, well, are they? That's my point. <laughs> therein lies therein lies the point. Is like so. At what point? Right. Where where does what's the barrier or the boundary of yeah. unity? Because they would say that they are Christians, Church right. of Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, right? right? Yeah. Um, Jehovah Jehovah Witnesses would consider themselves Christian as mm-hmm. well. Yep. Right. Hey, look, we study well, study the Bible. Well, different, you know. Yeah. Um, Whether or not that's the same Bible is. Of... So, like, what is the dynamic of Christian unity? Mm-hmm. And we've talked a little bit about the things that we, um, the things that we are willing to agree on, and the things that we are willing to disagree on, yes. and still remain in one. I think we've talked about it in terms of like, if you go to conduit, mm-hmm. like, do we as pastors expect a you like a unanimous a unanimity of mm-hmm. theological belief. Right. Um, like you must believe everything that we believe mm-hmm. in order to like successfully be a part of the family here. And our answer to that is no, no. you don't. Yeah. But that has its limits. Yeah. I would say that it definitely have has its limits. I'm not saying that that conduit is a theological free for all. It is most assuredly not right. a theological free for all. Yeah. But what we would say here is that we have unity on the essentials, right, and liberty and freedom on the non-essentials, right, and in all things, love, right. So, um, so no Arianism. No Arianism. No. <laughs> no Gnosticism. No Gnosticism. Um, right. None of those other isms. <laughs> right. Yeah, we have a high Christology. Right. You know, we believe in the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Um, we affirm the classic historical creeds. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, there are there are primary theological um, distinctives, and then there are secondary theological beliefs. Mm-hmm. And I, I would go so far as to say is that, like, that you're going to probably have a difficult time and not a great experience being a part of certain churches. Mm-hmm. If you differ widely on even things that are secondary in terms of theology, yeah, um, depending on how important you feel those secondary things are to you personally, to you and, personally. and to how 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 significantly the church holds them, right, and the leadership holds them. So, yep. um, I think if you want to re um, uh, mystery person mystery person to our guests but not to us who has asked that question if you would want to you know kind of re ask it and maybe get down into the weeds a little bit more about what you mean there mm-hmm. i'd love to tackle that question again talk yeah. a little bit more about it probably best to text it send it into our text line 716-201-0507 and we will deal with it for sure yeah yep okay cool beans all right, next question. The next question is a bunch of questions. It's a bunch of questions. Um, so a, a lot of it, um, 
kind of summed up by one question of like, what, how, how do you handle the pressure and stress of ministry? And then from there, it seems to kind of go down into like, you know, practically what's the life of a pastor look like? What does that look like? So, all right, well, let's, let's deal with just like the very first question. It's a text question we got in our text line. Um, and how do you handle the pressures and stress of ministry? I mean, I don't know. Like, ministry really is not that stressful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say more, <Yeah>. Cameron. <laughs> Can't you see? <laughs> I, all this gray hair is just because I'm very distinguished and wise. Yes, that's it. Um, yeah, if you didn't know, ministry can be um, very stressful. And can be a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, and it's not always the things that you would expect. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you one example, and maybe it's a bad example, but I'll just tell you, like, the whole, the, all of the questions are kind of like, give us a peek into the mind of a pastor. Yeah. Um, and I will tell you, here's something that's been happening to me over the last about 24 hours. I preached a sermon yesterday, mm-hmm. one that I was really passionate about and really believe in, of course, um, and felt that for the most part, everything went well mm-hmm. with the communication and delivery and the way in which the congregation was receiving it and felt like I did a faithful, faithful job in it. Got a lot of good feedback about it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um and um and that is that kind of keeps me up at night yeah 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 it kind of keeps me up at night not in a good way Mm. um because it's almost like um one because there's two sides to that number one Mm -hmm. is that like when there's a consistent like Hey, pastor, great job. Hey, pastor, great job. Hey, pastor, great job. That was really great. Mm-hmm. Great job, great job, mm-hmm. great job. And I'm like, are they seeing Jesus? Right. Mm-hmm. Are they seeing Jesus in this or are they seeing me? Yeah. Are they like... Great job can mean a lot of things. It can mean a lot of things, right. Yeah. But um, what I am deathly afraid of is people being impressed with me. Mm. Uh, rather than like having an experience with Jesus through the preaching of his word. Um, because I just, we were just talking upstairs uh, about this um, with one of the staff members here about like um, new people coming to churches and being like, have, seeing all the freshness and like, yep. and like, oh, this is great. And we love the church and we love the staff. And like, it was so much better than our last church and da, 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 da. And I'm like, don't worry. I will disappoint you. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. Um, and so a little bit of it is like the first, the first part of it is um, like the pressure. I sometimes I almost don't want to do too good of a job because I so desperately want people to have an experience with Jesus rather mm-hmm. than just be impressed with the sermon. Yeah. I had that happen one of the last times I preached. And 
there was a lot of a positive emotional response from the sermon. And even in the preparing of the message, I was having a little bit of wrestling in myself of like, is this illustration that I'm going to include going to be helpful ultimately? Mm-hmm. Or is it going to make people feel something and then they're going to just think that that was it and then move on? Yeah. And so I, yeah, I was like, people were coming up to me and saying that was a really good sermon. I was like, actually, I don't think it was a very good sermon. Yeah. From a, a like a, well, I don't know what like, you want to call that. Like, like a preacher standpoint. From a preacher standpoint, yeah. like, um, you know, my professor would have ripped that sermon up and down because it wasn't very clear. I think people had a really, there was a couple moments in the sermon where people really connected. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what are you connecting with? Are you connecting mm-hmm. with the emotion? Are you connecting with Christ? Yep. And there was a lot of like ambiguity in myself of just yep. saying like, did you did you see Christ though? Yep. Or did you just see a, a moment in the in the sermon that made you feel something? Yep. Because those are two different things. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I and I feel like um, what I also feel about it is like. Someone sent me a message this morning on Facebook Messenger saying, hey, my husband said that was the best sermon he'd ever heard in his life. Like, I want that to feel good. Yeah. But I'm also like, okay, well, everything's downhill from here then. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. Like, okay, so what you're saying, like, it feels like a ton of pressure to be like, you got to bring it like that every single week. Or it creates this moment of like, you know, like, did you do anything, ex- you know, exceedingly out of the ordinary from what you normally do? I don't know. Like, and, I don't think like, I don't think I did. You're like, do the rest of my sermons just suck? Right. That's <laughs> you know. So that's the kind of like some of the dynamic there. And if you were to um, talk to my wife this morning, we were talking in the pew, and all morning yesterday before I was preaching, I felt this like, like I am so anxious to preach today. Not in like a, oh, I can't wait to get up there, but like I am, feel like this is the first sermon I've ever preached in my life. I am so nervous. Mm -hmm. I could not sit still. I had, I had like this like pit, like knot in my stomach as I was sitting there during announcements. I was like wringing my hands. I was all like sweaty. I was like just anxious up in me. And like, I don't know if I would associate that feeling with the way in which the message then was received by the congregation or I preached it or not, or I don't know, but like it is a reality in there. So like, how do you deal with the pressures and the stress of ministry? You know, it, it's not always really, (laughs) it's not always really the pressure and the stress is not always what you think the pressure and the stress is. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think it is, I think leading um, in ministry, and I don't just say this because I'm doing it, there are a lot of experts who would say very similar things, mm-hmm. is that l- pastors um, are, being a pastor is one of the most difficult leadership positions that you could possibly hold. 
Mm-hmm. Because as a pastor, you are, of course, a spiritual leader. You are also a um, HR executive. Yeah. You manage finance. Mm-hmm. You manage you manage facilities. You're expected to have a compelling and forward leadership vision mm-hmm. that is kind of based off a model of like economic consumerism and like a business model type of right. vision, always pushing the organization forward, always improving, always mm-hmm. expanding. The right. bottom line is always increasing. You know, it's like, so you better be a good executive, mm-hmm. but you better be a good leader. You better be kind of cutthroat in your executive momentum, yeah. but you better be a gentle shepherd as well. Yes. And you have to do all of this essentially with a large volunteer workforce to accomplish mm-hmm. the most significant mission that the world has ever known. Yeah. And so. And be the most spiritually mature person in the room. Have all the right answers. Mm-hmm. Family better be on point. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, doing it for what is in general, like comparatively based on the responsibilities, Skill sets, responsibility, and- um, a low paying job. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it, there is a lot of pressure there and there is, is a lot of stress to get it all, all, all like all straight, keep it all straight. Yeah. Do a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, and naturally you're going to gravitate towards being, you know, I think it's a, it's a rare case where one person is good at all of those things. No, very rare case. Um, and so then the job becomes, all right, well, how do I work myself out of those positions? Yeah. So most of the time with volunteers, mm-hmm. um, but, the, but I'm then still responsible, ultimately responsible for the job that those volunteers do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not even getting into the dynamic of like seeing people destroy their lives or have their lives destroyed mm-hmm. or walking through the darkest times of their life or, you know, you're doing, you know, you're doing funerals. And weddings, you know, yeah, sorrow and joy. You're leading meetings. You're counseling addicts and broken marriages, and you're um, seeing people um, choose things that you know are going to destroy their lives. But we can't. We not you know like we don't we can't force anyone into wise decisions or surrendering themselves to the Lord. Right. And so you're kind of on the front lines of sometimes the worst days and worst experiences of people's lives, but you're also on sometimes on the front lines of the best days of their lives. And, um, and there's just not a whole lot of space to be yourself. Mm -hmm. Just not a whole lot of space to, to breathe. Yeah. You know, I would say that's a kind of like a general flyby of what I feel about the pressure of stress of ministry. I don't know how you would talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely a, you know, because I think particularly, like some of that is determined by the type of church, the denomination that you're part of, like 
um, I would say that that's a pretty true description of most churches in the United States Mm -hmm. of that kind of like, um, you know, sometimes a language that's been helpful for me is like thinking about, um, pastor as CEO, pastor as, um, Ted talk Mm -hmm. pastor as, um, you know, you can kind of find, uh, or pastor as, um, visionary startup. Mm-hmm. You know, you can kind of find these um, other kind of archetypes in culture and church or in the in the world, and you can kind of see the ways in which we sometimes tack onto um, onto the pastor kind of these additional like, well, it's not your pastor, but you also need to be the CEO, this like mm-hmm. startup guru. You need to be a leadership mm-hmm. like you know guy. Mm-hmm. You need to be you know um, however you kind of want to conceptualize that. And that's not entirely new, but I think we've reached maybe a point where that's like really starting to just like um, I don't know max out maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about the, you know, just the way in which, uh, it's like shifted. Um, and when you've got these different, um, like, I don't know, like, like this morning, right? We come in this morning, the Wi-Fi is not working. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we're like calling people i'm on the phone um with somebody from the church who is taking their time to help us but i'm also like i'm climbing up on top of cabinets and i'm plugging things in and plugging Mm -hmm. things out and trying to figure out where wirings are and um that was one of the ways in which i started my day today i don't know how many times i've come into the building on a sunday morning and someone asks me why the heat's not working or why the kitchen's not clean or you know, yeah. like just stuff like that. Stuff like that. Yeah. You know, I've at different times I've like I, I design. If you go to our website, mm-hmm. I'm responsible for the website pretty mm-hmm. much. Like that, the way it looks is the way I made it look. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to school to design websites. I never took a web design class. I went and studied Greek, mm-hmm. uh, ancient Greek. <laughs> so, right. Not that I was any good at it. Yeah. I'm not saying that. Um, you know, and so there's this mishmash between like what maybe do you, do you think that that's like that those additional things are distractions from the calling of being a pastor? Or do you think they're just kind of like the context of what being a pastor looks like right now? I think, I mean, not, this is kind of like a, a bad answer to that question, but I honestly think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Because I do think that it is a little bit of just what being a pastor is about right now. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not even what it is to be a pastor, but what it means to be the person who is like in charge of the organization. Mm-hmm. Like the, the logical question is like, okay, well, if you're not going to fix the Wi-Fi, then who's going to? Right. If you're not going to fix the Wi-Fi, well, then you're going to have to find someone who is responsible for it. So ultimately, then it is your responsibility. Right. Um, 
But do I think it is fixing the Wi-Fi is central to the calling of pastor? Well, no, of course I don't. Yeah. Right. But the way in which the the way in which the world in which we find ourselves today mm-hmm. is a world that has Wi-Fi in churches. Yeah. It is a world that has doesn't use hymnals, uses presentation software. Right. It is a world that has websites for churches. It is a world that has buildings that must be mm-hmm. kept up in order to like honor the investment. Like yeah. and so does it have anything to do with like shepherding? I would say no. Do we are we trying to do our best to align resources to um, fulfill the mission? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's just a little bit more complicated than people maybe always yeah. think of it because I think sometimes yeah people do. Uh, that's actually a pretty fairly pretty uh, a fairly common question is what do you do all day? Depends on the day. Like you, pro- you probably just study the Bible all day long, right? Like your only responsibility is to create a sermon mm-hmm. and pray. All right. We only work on Sundays, and only for a couple hours. Yeah. The rest of the week, we just kind of like sit in a prayer closet, probably. Yeah. So, just like I mean, I went to the gym this morning, so I don't usually get into the office till like eleven on Mondays. Mm-hmm. I walked into my office. My desk was a mess, you know, paper and sticky notes and things left undone for last week, little notes. So I did a little bit of a brain dump. I made a list of things that I needed to get done this week. I responded to two texts for people that want to meet this week. One of them is coming in to talk to you and I at 1.30 today. Another, I don't have any space until Thursday, so I scheduled them into Thursday. Mm Mm-hmm. I made uh, a list of people that I needed to connect with, someone who's in hospice that I needed to go see this week. I have a premarital counseling appointment at 4 o'clock today that I need to make sure that I am prepared to lead them through. But before that, from 3 to 4, I have a phone call, kind of a counseling, coaching phone call Mm -hmm. with someone who is seeking out wisdom from me. Mm -hmm. So I need to get my head wrapped around that and be prepared for that. Somewhere between now, which is one o'clock, you know, <laughs> we, we, we have a half hour until our next appointment, right? Which will probably be an hour long. I'm mm-hmm. guessing that's going to lead us to two thirty. Then I have a half. Now I'm two hours past when I really should have lunch, right? Because I have a and an, and I can't let my four o'clock go too late because I got to get home yep. and take my daughter to Girl Scouts. Yes. Yeah. And the, the, so then, tell me what I've done today. Right. What did? What did? You, how did you move the needle forward? How did Cameron? I move the needle forward? Well, <laughs> and then tomorrow is not much better. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow is not much better because we will. I'll get up early. I'll go to the gym. I'll go and meet with my mentor as I do every Tuesday morning for the last fifteen years. Yep. We'll have coffee for an hour, mm-hmm. hour and a half. Then we will go at nine o'clock to an ecumenical pastor prayer yep. meeting and be there for probably an hour and 15 minutes, hour and a half. Mm-hmm. We will immediately leave there, come down here. We yeah. will have staff meeting at noon-ish or around there. We'll meet for an hour and a half to two hours. Mm-hmm. And then at Tuesday afternoon, um, I will probably try to start thinking about my sermon Yep, because that's coming. 
Yep, already. It's coming. Um, but but don't forget, Cameron, we have Wednesday night class this week. Correct. <laughs> so we also must also prepare a large Bible study yep. for Wednesday night. Yep. Um, and if I want to have a day off, then all of this work must be done by Thursday at the time that I leave. Yeah. Because I can't, like, I don't want to try to have a day off on Friday. Like, right. As in keeping with the Sabbath. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I mean, like, yep. and, and there's a there's a hundred other things. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, th- those are just the things that need to be done this week. Yeah. It's not necessarily what moves the organizational needle forward. forward. Right, because we're, like, talking about second service, and, like, we're like, well, we got to, be working towards that and organizing people to be doing that. Right. And men's ministry and mm-hmm. women's ministry. And we have a marriage, marriage conference, conference coming up. Yep. And we have, um, and I have my, so I, so how do we deal with it, Cameron? <laughs> well, you try to build a good team around you mm-hmm. so that not everything is. Not everything, you're not responsible for everything. Yeah. It's very hard for people, most people, um, to do. Um, What I have had to come, because here's the thing, is I could very, very easily work 70 hours, 80 hours a week. Mm -hmm. Without question, that would be, I wouldn't run out of work. Yeah. I would not run out of things to do. Mm Mm-hmm. I refuse to do that. I refuse to sacrifice my family. Mm-hmm. I refuse to sacrifice my physical health, my emotional health, my spiritual health, my mental health. Yeah. I refuse to extend myself so far and run so hard for so long that I put myself in a place where I'm now making decisions that I wouldn't normally make because yeah. I'm overextended and overwhelmed and mm-hmm. exhausted. Mm-hmm. So I have come to the place of being okay, leaving things on the list undone. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, what that means is that sometimes those things are people-centric. Mm-hmm. There are people that I don't get to. Yeah, I try to get to everyone, but just the reality is, is that I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are people that I would like to just that aren't in necessarily in crisis mode or need something from me, but that I would like to be in a more intentional discipling relationship with. Yeah. But that I just don't have the space. Mm-hmm. And so it, a little bit of it is like being okay with not getting it all done. Right. Making an intentional decision to say it is okay. I can't do it all. So I must be okay with just not getting it done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, I know the conversation you've had with me a couple of times, especially like when, uh, cause we can get into this place where it's like, oh, I got to get it done yeah. or I really got to help that person. Mm-hmm. And we can get into this place where we're holding onto things that maybe we're not supposed to be. And I know we've had this conversation. You've had to talk me down. Like Luke, who saves people? Mm-hmm. It's not you. Mm-hmm. It's Jesus, right? It's it's like at the end of the day, like we can do nothing apart from Christ. Yep. 
you know, your, your message yesterday. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, I think there's a reason why that message is resonating, at least with you and I. And I think it's because we feel like this call that we cannot, we cannot let the, the demands of the urgent cause us to be, um, Martha, not Mary, mm-hmm. you know, like we still have to put Christ first. Mm-hmm. We have to choose that. Yep. And so that does mean scheduling fun into our weeks and scheduling like Sabbath and mm-hmm. rest and making sure that like, you know, not every conversation's about the church. <laughs> right. Well, like people have said, like, I don't know, like, I mean, yeah, you got on, you got on into the, into the office today at 11. Why didn't you get in at seven? Like, well, one, because I wanted to sleep. Yeah. Two, because like me going to the gym in the morning and taking my son with me and like having that time, like is incredibly important. Yeah. Incredibly important to me. More important than coming into the office at seven mm-hmm. is going to the gym with my son. Period. Like, mm-hmm. um, and so like, yeah, there could be more done, but like that there, like oh. my, what the gym does for me kind of is a part of what allows me to do the other things that I do. Yeah. Like at what expense? Yeah. You know, like there's this, you know, um, being a pastor is a unique thing. Like, um, you know, if you've got maybe a engineer, right. He's top class, like all of his projects are fantastic. He does a great job. He's an engineer. He's got his marriage is kind of falling apart. Mm-hmm. His family life's pretty bad. If his family life and his marriage is falling apart, is he still a good engineer? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's still a good engineer. If you have a pastor whose family life, personal life, is falling absolutely apart, is he still a good pastor? Even if he, you know, is delivering the best sermons every single week. I mean, he, like may still have the gifts, may be able to shepherd someone, but like, you know, if you've gained the whole world and lost your soul, you've gained nothing. Right. People, well, that's why people, you know, when, um, you know, uh, that's why like anytime there's a crisis in leadership somewhere in church leadership, like, well, it doesn't matter how well they preached. They At that point, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, because there's something, some something that more fundamental mm-hmm. to that calling has mm-hmm. been undermined in some way. Yep. And so, like, we have to guard that mm-hmm. in some way. And so, yeah, we do. Yeah, there's no like lack of things we could be doing mm-hmm. at any given point for sure. So. But yeah, I think it's just uh, ultimately it's saying that like Christ has to be the one that mm-hmm. brings the fruit. Yes. As much as we are called mm-hmm. to garden. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Yeah. Well, I feel like that tries to answer that question. A little bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. our week to week or day to day is like, depends on what's going on, I guess, yeah. you know? Yeah. Sometimes I do wish that people could shadow us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be a lot of sitting. Yeah, and watching. Of sitting, a lot of like. Yeah. 
us like trying to figure out, okay, what, mm. what, what decision do I need to make about this thing? Yeah. Right. Like we, I mean, just the simple, <laughs> the simplest decisions. Like we had, a, we, I asked you a question this morning, like what do churches, what do bigger churches than us who have a lot of things going on, yeah. a lot of programs going on, yeah. how do they disseminate their information to people in a successful way? Um, without giving with, like a mini sermon for announcements, right? Without spending twenty five minutes giving announcements, right? Because that's what I felt like I did yesterday. Well, I actually, it don't was know how long I went. It was. It was. But like, I went as fast as I could, right? <laughs> and it was all like none of the information was fluff. Yeah, it was like all stuff that we really needed and wanted the congregation to hear and for people to be to take part in. Yep. So I'm like. Well, how do you how do people do this? Like I don't get so it's even just like strategy decisions yeah. about that. But even if you think about the implications for the answer to that question, mm-hmm. it creates another to do. Right. Well, okay, so now I've got more people in charge of doing announcements yeah. at smaller scales. Like. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or you just like, okay, so we need to create some sort of digital way to do announcements so we don't have to take up so much time on a Sunday morning. Like, okay, well, why are we concerned with taking up so much time on a Sunday morning? Well, because we also manage about 40 volunteers who are waiting for the sermon to be over. over, Or, you know, like, and a room. So it's like, Lord, help us. Or or like last week, like something that probably very few, if anybody ever noticed, like I worked with Ellen – last week our worship director and we 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 were making a transition to change the software that puts the lyrics up on the screen yeah like which was like a decision to save the church some money yeah um and maybe find a software solution that works a little bit better Mm -hmm. and is more collaborative and all these positive things but yeah i we were and even on sunday morning like we're like okay is this software okay we're gonna go with this software and not use this software like it better not break on us in the middle of the service because, you know, and right. uh, and we've never used it before. And so, yep. like, kind of feels a little high pressure. And so all that, I'm like, it ran fine. Yep. And I'm sure that almost nobody knew that that was just a new software, a new thing that we had, like, explored, tested, and tried to set up over the course of, like, two, three weeks. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just so people could read the scripture. Yep. Or the lyrics. Or the lyrics. Or the announcements. Yep. Or... <laughs> it's like all the thing. Like, <laughs> what was I supposed to do? You yeah. Know? <laughs> uh-huh. So, so yeah, that's that. Okay, that's what happens. Yeah. Um. Well, that pretty much covers it, right, for the week. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna leave it at that today yeah. because why? Well, because we have a one thirty meeting yeah. and we have to get out of here. So, uh, we do appreciate you listening. Do really appreciate your questions. Um. I keep them coming. I would love to hear more, um, more of what's on your mind, more of what you want to hear from us. Oh. Our texting line is 716-201-0507. You can text your questions to us. You can always comment on the YouTube version of this podcast. As always, we ask that you would like it. Like the um, episode wherever you're listening to it. Mm-hmm. Share it, if you would, with yeah. uh, people that you might I uh, think that might want to listen to it. Give Subs- us a follow if you don't want to miss it. Yes, just subscribe to it. Um, would be great. Uh, we do have a YouTube version of this. It's also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you next week. <laughs>